Hey, I'm John Rosenberg, and I'm the host of the Made Possible podcast. We talk to people who've got a few adventures under their belt to find out what makes them tick, what motivates them, the parallels they draw from adventure and their life outside of adventure. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Is that really true? Do we really take what we learn from adventuring outside and translate it to our indoor lives? Whatever your adventure is, let's find out how you make it possible. This show wouldn't be possible without the good people at Cold Case Geek. They utilize NASA technology and advanced manufacturing techniques to make the world's most indestructible and versatile electronics protection around. So whether you're rafting through the Grand Canyon or going up Mount Everest, Cold Case Gear makes the gear that gets you home. On today's episode, we're talking with Jennifer Cesar. She's an ultra runner, ultra mom, and a general badass who loves to spend time outdoors. She recounts a harrowing tale of a time spent backpacking in the Lost Creek wilderness with just a tarp, her pup, and a lot of time spent shivering in the rain. Let's listen in to find out what she's learned from a life spent outdoors. The moon rising up over the ridgeline below Gray's is what it was. But I was so just like kind of like on edge essentially from all these tiny like literally had this full-blown panic attack sitting up there on the ridge and now I'm just still having all these little panic things come at me. I know there's a pack of coyotes out here. I know I'm alone. And the only thing I can the moon comes and scares the living daylights out of me. Whatever daylight was left in me all right, so today uh, we are joined uh, by Jennifer out in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado. Uh, this is the Made Possible podcast. We are talking with people who've got a few adventures up their sleeve to um, kind of find out, um, you know, what what makes them tick, what what motivates them to adventure, and just the the lessons learned from uh, a life spent um, outdoors. So. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Jennifer. Why don't you go ahead and uh, give a better introduction than than I just gave? <laughs> uh, I hate introductions. Can I just like put that out there? Introductions are awful. Um, obviously, my name is Jennifer. Um, I don't even know how to introduce myself anymore. I'm a woman who plays in the mountains. That's about as much as I've got. I'm a mom, but I try not to let that be my identity. Um, and I'm autistic and ADHD and have a complicated genetic disorder that always makes all this stuff harder. But I also try not to let that be my identity. Uh, so introduce yourself. I don't know. I'm I'm a female with long hair who does stupid shit in the mountains. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that that works. It's, I think, best to not uh, yeah, to teach their own, but, you know, diving into the like identity politics can be a, can be a, a long road. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, tell me about a truly memorable adventure that you've had in the outdoors and whether that that was uh, for good or or for bad. Oh, God, there's so many I could answer this question. (laughs) Um, I I think I'm going to have to flash back to 2016. Um. So in 2016, I was training for my first ever ultra marathon. I was training for the Leadville Silver Rush 50 miler. Uh, I had just been introduced to the sport by some coworkers. Outside of that, I had always just 
spent time in the mountains running, hiking, whatever, just on my own. Um, had a coworker kind of be like, Hey, you should go do this event. I'm like, I, I could run 50 miles. Sure. Whatever. Um, like two weeks prior to the race, I thought it was this brilliant idea to go on a 155 mile backpacking trip with myself and my dog. Um, and it totally was a wonderful idea. It was fantastic. I learned how to use trekking poles for the very first time. Like I bought them like two days before I walked out the door and I had no idea what I was doing and figured it out the hard way. Um, I, the only shelter I owned at the time was my old army, um, poncho slash tarp. So like the one that's like, it's got grommets to be a tarp on the corners, but it still has a hood to be a poncho in the middle. Mm -hmm. That was my shelter. That was all I had. And I had a bought like a cheap sleep setup because I worked at a gear shop. So I bought the cheapest sleep setup I could come up with. I had a really old, like original, like foam pump Alps mountaineering sleeping pad. And I had this healthy sleeping bag. I actually still have this healthy sleeping bag. It was rated to 40 degrees and it took me like years to learn that the ratings were different and that it's actually a men's sleeping bag. I still have it. Um, it's kind of done, but anyway, that was like my entire sleep setup. That's all I had. My dog had a history. My dog was, um, two at the time, <laughs> seven now. And, uh, he had a history of chasing birds at night. Oh She'd leave him be all day long. <laughs> so I didn't know how I was going to keep my dog contained. I'm like, well, I don't have a tent, nor do I have the money to buy a tent. So I make one of those little like demo pup tents mm -hmm. and I made my dog carry it. <laughs> and <laughs> he slept in the tent while I slept cowboy style <laughs> under my army poncho. So, you know, we get out there and day one is awesome. I found this really high, open, sandy place to sleep. It was perfectly dry. And I had this most epic view looking out kind of over Bailey area. Um, and I just got to watch a thunderstorm off in the distance, but it was like the most amazing lightning show you've ever seen. The next day, my dog and I basically went from sunup to sundown. I think we crossed two passes and ended up being like a 55 mile day. I could not for the life of me find a campground. And so I kind of just said, screw it. That spot looks flat. Took a nap. I take a nap. I meant went to bed. Um, I couldn't like eat. It was like so exhausted. I couldn't eat. So I made, I think I had like the original backpackers pantry cheesecake at the time. <laughs> yes. And I just kind of grabbed it. Again, I worked at a gear shop. So this is like, what could I buy on clearance as an employee to sustain my adventures is all I had. And I ultimately discovered that cheesecake makes amazing breakfast the night before so to make it i ate like maybe a third of it after dinner and then i just sealed it up really well and put it away with all my food and in the morning it was cold <laughs> and it was solid and it was like really like a cheesecake versus that like half cheesecake backpack backcountry like consistency and it was so amazing to wake up in the morning not need to boil water and dig into this big bag of cheesecake and then I felt amazing it was like all of the feeling awful from the day prior suddenly just kind of floated away and I'm like I feel amazing I ate cheesecake for breakfast <laughs> go on and um ultimately end up I get to the highest point in the region I was in Lost Creek Wilderness so I get to the top of Bison Peak which is just shy of 13,000 feet <laughs> I got there at like 9.30 in the morning and I look west and there are the darkest clouds I have ever seen rolling in on the sky. I'm like, it's not, it's 9.30 in the morning. It's supposed to be fine right now. And 
I was not. I, I didn't even get to, you can, um, Vice Peak has some really cool granite formations that you can walk around and explore. I didn't even get to like explore for 30 minutes before the sky just opened up and started rumbling. And that region of Lost Creek Wilderness is where the wildfire was, um, the Hayman fire back in, oh God, it was 18 years, so 20 plus years ago now. Mm-hmm. But because it's so high elevation and so dry, it still hadn't grown back after 18 years. So I'm in this super high, super exposed, everything that's around, anything that's taller than me is just dead standing trees from this fire. Or it's these massive granite structures where the mountain lions live. So we kind of sit here like weighing my options. I'm like, well, I know I like need to get moving. And I had originally planned to go farther south and into some of the higher peaks in that region. And I ultimately chose to go a different direction, which I had done no research on, but at least mm-hmm. the, I was like glancing at my old school topo map. And I'm like, well, it says it's lower elevation. So I guess I'm going to go that way. The Nat Geo map at the time showed like three switchbacks for the region. I was like three switchbacks is not that big of a deal. Well, that three switchbacks was not zoomed into the fact that each of those three switchbacks was more like three inside themselves. It was like, I don't know, like nine or some odd switchbacks. And each switchback went up and down this like ridiculously steep canyon. And it had started pouring. I had my army poncho on now over my pack instead of, <laughs> I don't own a raincoat. Um, my dog's got a raincoat. I don't. And it's pouring so heavily that at the bottom of every canyon, it's flowing. It's flooding. At the top, it's just a lightning storm. Oh so God. you're just kind of in, in the middle. It's so steep. There's just, there's nowhere to stop. So you're just going and going mm-hmm. and going. But like two o'clock in the afternoon, it finally takes a break. And I sit down, I eat lunch, I dry out everything out. I get going and like not even 20 minutes after I had stopped and dried everything out, I get to a waist deep water crossing. It's got the shittiest log crossing ever. They're like two logs kind of balanced like this across the river. And there's a rope that's tied across, but it's really, really loose. But the knot is in the middle of the river. So, like, you need to get to the middle to tighten it. And I kind of took two looks at this, and I'm like, it just rained. And I mean, like, completely poured for, like, five hours straight. And my options right now are to cross this river or turn around. Yeah. And go back all the way to where I was this morning. Which is not going to (laughs) do. I crossed the river three times. Um, I did try the logs. I'm like, I'll give it one shot and no. Um, and this was the first time I ever realized the extreme importance of trekking poles because I was able to take one of my poles, reach as far out as I could in the middle of the river and just like jab it into the bottom. It was really sandy. At least I got kind of got lucky there. And so I had a handle kind of in the middle of the river and it wasn't very wide, but it was all the way up to my waist. I'm not a big woman and it was flowing. It was basically whitewater after all that rain. So I walked my gear across, I dropped all my gear, then I walked back across, and I, uh, fireman carried my 70-pound dog (laughs) across the river, (laughs) and he, of course, tried to jump before we're, like, actually at shore. I'm like, no, not yet. Um, Luckily, I always hike with a harness that has a handle on it, so I was able to grab the handle on this harness, not just this collar. Big safety thing there. Um, That was definitely needed. So now, now... After having dried off from lunch, I am now fully soaked from the waist down. And I guess still sunny. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to hike till I'm dry. Figure it out later. I get hiking and it's like five o'clock in the evening now. And I'm like, crap, I'm out of water. 
<laughs> I crossed a waist deep river and I forgot to fill up my water. Uh, you had other things on your mind, like fire carrying your dog. <laughs> yeah, but I did not fill up my water. And now I've entered into like one of the driest stretches of the whole area. It's no longer raining. And I just crossed the last river miles ago. So now I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to, I'm literally like, I have drops of water. I guess I'm going to hike until I find water. Eventually I found like this little tiny little trickle and I had to use a couple like leaves to like guide it into my bottle. And not far from that was a campground. It was really slopey and awful, but I'm like somewhere around 10, five in elevation. I'm like, this will work. I'm sloped. And if it rains more, it's going to wash away. I'm not by major water. This is my thought process. I'm like, this should be a fine campground. It should be great. I set up, I got a fire going. I dried all my socks everything's great. I go to bed. I'm full. I ate. I have water. An hour after I go to bed, it starts pouring. And within about like minutes, my campsite floods with like three inches of standing water. Oh my God. I don't have a shelter. I have this little tiny tarp, which is now blown over. My down bag is soaked all the way through. And I have cheap cotton sleep clothes because I'm poor. <laughs> and my dog has a tent. So I ended up throwing my old tarp over the pup tent to give it like an extra layer of waterproofing. And my dog and I are crunched down in this little tiny little pup tent. He's out cold, like unbeknownst to him that it's pouring right, rain. He, he's tent on is soaked in the campus, <laughs> but I whatever. Um, I had like a $10 Walmart watch on. And I remember I set the timer on it to be on like every 20 minutes so that I would sit there and kind of shiver myself half asleep. And my, my alarm would buzz. I'm like, okay, count fingers, count toes, rub the paws, rub all four paws, make sure everybody's alive. And then go back to sleep for like 10, 15 minutes and all night long, make sure we didn't get hypothermic. We don't have anything. Everything is soaked through. It finally stops raining at like 3 a.m. I poke my head out because, and it turns out it's snowing in July. <laughs> my camp's flooded and it's snowing. Like, this is just awful. Um, 5 a.m. comes around. I'm like, okay. I can see enough to get up now. And so I get up, I kind of just shove all my wet gear in my pack. It'll get sunny and I'll air out later. I force myself to drink some warm water and eat like a tiny bit of food, but I had been shivering all night long that like my stomach was cramping from shivering. I immediately set it down to turn over and throw it all up. Ugh. Great way to start your morning. And after about four hours of just like literally feet dragging on the trail i i ended up coming across a couple guys who had a way better camp location <sighs> and they, they couldn't get their fire going but i'm like i have waterproof fire starter <laughs> i will trade you waterproof fire starter for the ability to sit here by your fire for as long as i need yeah and ultimately later that day i ended up um finding a way to hitchhike out instead of continuing on my trip because it just started raining again later that day and I had no way to dry out anything. So everything I have was just totally soaked through. Oh my God. I didn't see a moose. That was probably, I think my first time seeing a moose as an adult was that following day after the rain. <laughs> but that was just like, I have one, I, I bought a tent after that. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> I did buy a tent after that, um, which leads to another funny story of that. I'm getting ready to go back out and I just bought a tarp. <laughs> um, you know, and 
man, it was just one of those things that I'm like, it was so awful. I later learned that that same storm destroyed like hundreds of homes on the front range with oh, hail. Wow. And I'm like, I was in that storm. It was not fun. So, well, you had mentioned that you, you were working at a gear shop at the time. I mean, I, yeah. I imagine that this was not like your, your first time going out backpacking you no. must have okay <laughs> no i definitely like it was not my first time going out um i had spent three years in the army prior um prior which is you know how i had my army tarp in the yeah. first place so i knew how to pitch that from them uh doesn't mean you know an army tarp is only like i don't know like four feet by five feet it's yeah. not big <laughs> it's a small in the world of tarps um I've been out lots of times. Okay. Did you have like any, so, you know, it's a a topic that comes up a lot in, you know, the outdoor industry is this, you know, access to gear. And I mean, everything is so expensive, but I was curious if you had, you know, did you ever think like, oh, I'm not going to go do this trip because I'm, I may be ill-equipped or you, you were just like, no, you know, I've got, I've got what, you know, what I need um, and I'm just going to make it happen. I mean, there's definitely been other trips that like, especially when you get more to winter conditions, they're definitely far more picky on. So when I was in college, my, this was actually one of the coolest programs I think that ever existed is my university had an outdoor gear rental program Mm. where you paid X amount for the entire semester and you had unlimited access to rental gear. So while I was in college, I had amazing backpacking gear because I just, paid the i think it was like a hundred bucks a semester to rent whatever gear i needed for whatever trip i wanted and as long as it was returned in reusable good condition you didn't get charged anything further so i had amazing access through college to like high quality high top brand gear and but then you know i left college and the only thing i owned after college and then after the military is i owned single backpacking backpack which i had bought off the rei outlet in 2011 with Mm -hmm. zero measuring or knowledge (laughs) of how a pack should fit it ended up being a great pack um and then i had my army tarp like those from a gear standpoint like leaving leaving the army leaving the military or college where i had gear kind of at my disposal mm-hmm. and going into civilian life and working at a gear shop. I worked at a gear shop and I didn't own gear. <laughs> I knew a lot about gear. I could talk to you about gear all day long. I just didn't own it. Yeah. Um, Cause it was expensive. <laughs> you know, I had to put food on the table and gas in the car before I could put gear in the closet. Right. Right. Um, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm super curious. You, you had this absolutely crazy trip, which would would be enough to make a lot of people uh, question whether or not they want to go out again. Um, I'm curious what you know a big a big learning lesson that you took from that trip, and then how you may have applied it to you know your everyday life. Oh wow! I mean, it was so long ago too that. Um... I know that's a hard one. We always say how, you know, they're like, oh, we you know, like learn learn so much from this camping trip or whatever. But then like, well, okay, well, like, how do we take whatever that is and like make our life easier? Well, and I think too, like for me, this trip was 2016. So we're talking, what is that, like eight years ago now? Yeah, wow. So I've probably applied this to life more 
than I realized without actually stopping to think about it. I do think like a couple things I realized um, was it, it, it pays to have skill, especially if you lack gear. Uh, because if I like one, I don't know very many people who could build shelters out of an army sized tarp, um, with, you know, paracord and a tree. Um, the other thing is, you know, I knew as soon as I got soaked that I was now at high risk for hypothermia, which meant I needed to do something to mitigate hypothermia. So what was I going to do? And that's where I came in and was like, Okay, even being tired, cold, hungry, soaking wet to my bones, I need to survive this night. How do I do it? And in that time, I knew the answer was I needed to do something that was going to keep me warm. I knew my dog was a warm creature and I knew I had a watch. So I set the timer on my watch to every 20 minutes and every 20 minutes, I made sure I counted my own fingers and toes, rubbed them a little bit, checked my dog's paws, rubbed his because I knew my dog was out. He didn't really care. He wasn't paying attention. And I think, too, like, in that kind of moment, at least for that time period of my life, uh, you know, being single, just like the dog was the only creature in my life, it depended on me, was um, having somebody else that you kind of depend on or depends on you still being alive uh, helps. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so my dog depended on me. I needed to keep my dog alive. Didn't really matter so much. Like, even if I got hypothermic and died, like, somehow my dog had to survive the night. Um, or like somehow I still had to be there in the morning didn't make sure that my dog got out. That mentality kind of hit. And like now it's like, okay, now I have my son. Um, like I ha- I've got to make sure I don't die so that I get home to my son. Even if I'm late, like I at least got to make it home. Right. <laughs> um, speaking of son. <laughs> nope, not right now. <laughs> I'm on the call. Later. <laughs> uh, he's been banging on the door for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Just ignored him. Um, so I think like that was like one thing like, for me, it's like, sometimes it's really not about your gear, but what skill do you have? And if you don't mm-hmm. have the skill, is that gear now mandatory? Right. So, and I think that's something like each person needs to weigh for their own. But at some point too, everybody needs to also research, like what kind of skills are necessary to survive out here? Talk to somebody who's been out, you know, for years doing this, who could tell you, it's like, I will go out with a tiny, tiny little bag and people are like, how do you fit the 10 essentials? I'm like, well, one, the 10 essentials don't have to be big. And it's like, two, I have all this other experience that there are some of my essentials, depending on where I'm going, I'm not going to pack because I know I could get them right here. Right, right. But that's right. something I learned through years and years and years of experience that, like, I see a lot of people who just go out and are like, oh, well, I can build a shelter. I'm like, well, what if your leg's broken? <laughs> I mean, my biggest lessons for that were like, how much skill do you have? How much gear do you have? How do you like balance that out? Did I buy things for that trip specifically? Yes. Like I I bought the sleeping padded sleeping bag because I didn't own one. There was no way I would have survived at all on that trip with it, just with the location that I was going. Um, Do I know how to make a bushwhacked bed? Yes. It's not legal to do so in most of the state of Colorado. (laughs) Um, So like there's, there's all a kind of that aspect to it. Yeah, definitely. It, have, having the having the skills and the knowledge, I mean, it's it's irreplaceable. Um, and also knowing if you if you don't if you don't have it, it's like when I I moved out to Colorado from Minnesota, where I'd love to go winter camping, um, but I didn't know the first thing about 
you know, avalanche danger and the the snow conditions, you know, in Minnesota, you just go out and it's going to be cold. <laughs> and that's yeah. like pretty much all that you have to deal with. Um, and so I've, I've kind of haven't done a whole lot of recreating in the winter because I don't really have the skills. And so then I at least know, okay, well, need to kind of take a different um, approach because I don't want to get myself into, into trouble. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I think that segue is really good into the, this next question of just, you know, when we learn from these outdoor experiences, I think it can be, it can be uh, like a one-time kind of experience, but I think it's more of a, it's more of a, this cumulative effect that you can look back on and be like, hey, there was this experience that, you know, I, I can attribute like my my decisive nature now to you know the, these 10 or 12 times that i had um but what what is your take on on that if it on the um you know one time <laughs> traumatic experience or do you think you can you're gonna learn more from something like that or just more as you kind of you know go through uh through a life of outdoor experiences um, I'm going to go with the latter and I actually am going to say this, uh, for safety reasons. <laughs> I do not recommend anybody get into 90% of the situations I have found myself in that I share stories about. Um, I, I recently just also started my own blog and one of the things that kind of crossed my mind was like, I kind of want to title this. Yeah, that was dumb because I've found myself in a lot of situations where it's like, you know, better. You yeah. should not have done that. That was really dumb. Like, why did you put yourself through that? Like, there was an easier way around that. Right. Um, there is a fine line between making a dumb mistake and making a dumb choice. Um, and I walk that fine line a lot. Um, so I, I definitely think like for the majority of people, learning that kind of over a cumulative time of life, learning all the skills, learning from other people, learning on trips um, where maybe, maybe you have like a bad day, but not where like you have a bad, ex like traumatic where you're concerned about life or death. Like I don't recommend people go put themselves in life or death situations. That's dumb. Um, search and rescue would <laughs> probably hate you for uh, going and intentionally putting yourself in a life or death situation. Uh, and those people who do go and put themselves in that situation usually are professionals with years and years of experience. Yeah. Um, which I know are like television and everything kind of glorifies these days. Um, I found myself in many a different variety of life and death situations since then. Um, if I really, truly, and honestly look back, I think the only thing I was seriously at risk for was hypothermia. I don't like, I was not starving. I had water. I had some form of shelter. If I stayed in the same place long enough, it would have eventually quit raining. Yeah. Um, like ultimately the only thing in that particular experience that I was actually in danger of was potential hypothermia. Um, and two, where that, where I was at, they were going, had I become hypothermic and stayed in that location, there would have been at least five other hikers that would have walked by me at some point in that morning. Uh, it was not a 
uncrowded location. Right. Um, it wasn't like a super crowded location, but there were definitely other people out there. So grand scheme of things, like I don't actually even look back at that situation and think that I was really in any sort of trouble. Um, big picture. Did I do some dumb things? Did I make some mistakes? Uh, did I forget about some things? Did I have to make some decisions? Did things seem worse in the, you know, in the moment than they really were? Absolutely. Um, did at any point, I think I was never going to go back out after that experience. No, not in any way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I knew for sure. I was definitely going back out. Um, like that was never a question. To yeah. Me. <laughs> oh man. Um, so the last, <laughs> last question I have, and I, and I feel like you, you probably have a whole lot of these, um, but I'm looking for a what doesn't kill you <laughs> made you stronger moment. I mean, well, that was probably one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, <clears throat> and is that even true? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes and no. I think it depends on the situation because I also believe that sometimes what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Yeah. Whether so, and I say that like I've been through some experiences after I came out of them, I found myself like tiptoeing on my further experiences. Whereas if I hadn't kind of become a sketchy situation, I probably wouldn't bother to tiptoe. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, th I, th I think I kind of want to share one of each. Like, let's share one where it did make me stronger and one where it definitely made me weaker. Um, we'll start with, we're going to start with made me weaker. I think that's going to be the more important one, actually. So um, I had a kid in 2017. My son was born uh, three months premature. Oh, wow. I struggled with a lot of mental health different things after my son was born. Um, he had a lot of health issues. So there was a lot of just like constantly always being there for my son. And ultimately at some point, which I think it was, he was around two or three. I was like, okay, I, I need to somehow get out for myself by myself. And I had been going out all of this since my son was six months old. I had started hiking with him and I just carried him, but I was mm -hmm. going out all the time with him. And I hadn't really in those first three years of his life done much more than maybe like a few hours during the day that were for me. So my goal was to work towards the overnight. How do I get, how do I build up this confidence to overnight? Ultimately that journey alone took me several years. Um, so I'm not going to go into that right now, but one particular experience that I wanted to talk about was my first voluntary um, where I took and I went, I did um, an evening hike run. And so I left before my son went to bed and I knew when I left, so when I, I would not be back before he went to bed, but I would be back before he woke up in the morning. So like, not quite overnight, but I'm missing bedtime. Yeah. Um, and I chose to go and celebrate my birthday by myself uh, the beginning of August and climb Grays and Tories was my plan. Um, I had actually never climbed them before, which kind of threw me off when I got there. I'm like, oh, I've actually never been here. Um, I drove a Honda CRV at the time, and that road is sketchy as all get That's out. That's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing that kind of started to hit me is like, I'm just 
driving up that that sketchy hill and i've driven up worse things in my honda but it was having a kid really changes your perspective on a lot of those things and as i drove up i just kind of started feeling this internal panic of like i know i could get back down this if it was daylight but i don't know if i can drive back down this in the dark yeah and i just kind of kind of like it wasn't like this big huge oh my god anxiety attack it was just like oh that's something to keep in the back of your mind right now and I made it all the way up to the trailhead. There were a couple of guys camping there. I'm really glad I ended up talking to them because they, they saved me at the end of the story. So I, I started climbing towards, you know, towards Gray's. My plan was to do Gray's and Tories and come back down the, the line that cuts in front of the two. Um, partway up, a big dog comes down. I later, like much, much later learned that this is a sheep dog who's been in that area for years. I just had no idea, but it kind of just kind of threw me off. I'm like, yeah. I don't really expect some big dog to just walk mm. down the trail he had no collar no nothing i'm like the heck this is weird especially like i'm out there it's i think i started climbing at like 5 p.m my goal was to be on top of one of the peaks for sunset mm. um so i ended up climbing up i got about three-fourths of the way up and all of a sudden i hear a pack of coyotes and i don't know why but for some reason it just like i had forgotten that coyotes live above twelve thousand feet <laughs> I knew this. This is this is not like new knowledge to me. I it was just something I had completely forgotten. Sometimes it's like, not in not. your not in your head yeah. at the moment. But I'm having like all these tiny little anxiety things kind of get thrown at me while I'm climbing this peak. And I got to the top of Grays. Absolutely stunning. It's like five minutes to sunset. There's a couple up there having a first date from eHarmony. <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> um you know, they're sitting there, like, sitting in a sleeping bag, drinking a bottle of wine on top of Gray's Peak. I don't oh, recommend yeah. that to most people. <laughs> uh, but that was kind of funny. They took pictures for me, which was awesome. I have really awesome pictures from the top of Gray's Peak. It's probably the only peak that I could say I have, like, epic, cool pictures of me on top of a peak. I hung out there for a while. I chatted with them. I was watching the pretty colors. Nothing really phased me. Like, I was in, like, this joyous bubble. It was amazing. And then I started to work my way towards Tories. And it's a little bit steep right off the coming off grays. And then it it kind of levels out. And then it's really not that bad going up Tories. But I got about like five feet down onto the ridge line and I just like froze. Like I just all of a sudden my whole body locked up. Part of it is I think I stayed on top of grays too long without putting on like my down or something. And yeah. I got a little physically, I was chilly and so it was physically a little bit locked up. But in that moment, I found myself finding my butt on the ground and hearing the coyotes again. I'm seeing it. It's, you know, sun is actively setting. I'm looking up this. When you sit there on the ridgeline, that line up Tories looks huge after being on top of Gray's. It's really not, but it, we the angle that you look at is just like, oh my God. And I knew I could get up it. I knew I could get up it, no problem. But somewhere in me was this little little tiny bit of doubt that's like oh you could get up it but there's no way you can make it down in the dark and like that little tiny evil like almost evil self-doubt started being like you're not going to make it down in the dark which is i had an 800 lumen weight waistlamp (sighs) and a headlamp with me like i had train lights with me i was gonna make it down (laughs) um but i sat there and i froze and i just like i'm literally on my butt like i'm like do i scooch across the ridge line i suddenly felt like this 
very wide, beautiful, easy to walk ridge line was like a catwalk or like a slack line on top of the world. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And just like feel myself shaking. I'm starting to think about like, what if I fall off this ridge line and I never make it back to my son? Um, I'm hearing the coyotes going. They're like, they're really going now. It's dusk. They're having a ball. I'm assuming they found something to eat, you know? <laughs> and I ultimately made the decision that I needed to get down off the mountain. But that meant one way or another, I had to summit a peak again, whether that be Grays or Tories. Mm -hmm. I did ultimately turn around. I resummited Grays. I watched the end of the sunset from the top of Grays. Um, I talked to those, that couple a little bit more, got a little bit of encouragement of like, you're okay. You're safe. You made it back off the ridge line. Like there's no more Ridge. You're good. Like nothing else is sketchy. Going to fall off of anymore. I got a little bit of encouragement from them, which was cool. And then I started to work my way down the ridge line. And you kind of pick your line at the top of that scramble. At the time that I was there, Call for Tanner's Initiative was in the middle of like redoing some of the rock mm. work at the top. Yeah. So it was like uh, part of it was like super obvious. Part of it was like, just pick a spot and step, but be careful. Um, going down, I have my bright headlamp on. I know the only other people out on these mountains are up there at the top. I could see their little light. They're still sitting there enjoying their ridiculous state. And I get to one of the switchbacks and all of a sudden there's this really bright light coming at me from the side. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> totally panicking. I look and turn to see what what is this bright shining light? Like, who is this other person? Where did they come from? How did they get out here? Like, I should have seen them. I should have known they were out here. You can see for miles up there. Yeah, yeah it was in the moon. <laughs> <laughs> it was a full moon and it was the moon. I actually have a picture of this moon up on my wall above my desk right now. You were just really <laughs> in the zone. <laughs> I was just really in the zone yeah but it was the moon rising up over the ridge line below grays is what Whoa. it was but i was so just like kind of like on edge essentially from all these tiny like literally had this full-blown panic attack sitting up there on the ridge and now i'm just still having all these little panic things come at me i know there's a pack of coyotes out here i know i'm alone and the only thing i can the moon comes and scares the living daylights out of me whatever daylight was left in me is gone now <laughs> And now I'm like, I've got my light on max. I've got all 800 lumens <laughs> and my headlamp of 300 on max. And I'm like, I need to see everything. I'm scared to death. And I just, I don't think I have ever bombed down a mountain so fast in my life. I just started running. I'm off the scree. I'm off the talus. I just started running and I ran the whole way back down. I didn't stop. I didn't take any more pictures. I didn't stop for any sound for anything I saw. I just booked it down. And then I got to the parking lot and I, I'm like, okay, I'm at my car now. And I couldn't find my key. Oh no. <laughs> I had my key. It was fine. It was in my pocket where I put it in the beginning, but I couldn't find my key. I started just like, I'm like sitting on the ground next to my car sobbing my eyes out panicking because i'm just like i i need to get home like the, the only thing that was crossing my mind is i have to get home to my son i have to get home to my son and i still have this stupid road to drive down yeah so i'm like i could still die tonight like that was like literally what was in my head there was no way i was going to die that night i was perfectly safe i had people who had offered a camp place for me to sleep if i needed i had emergency equipment in my car to sleep if i needed I made it down the road just fine. But ultimately, the guys in the camp came over. They offered me a beer, which I declined. And what 
they ultimately offered that was the most helpful thing um, was they spotted me to get me down the worst of the road. Oh, so nice. One guy <laughs> went in front of me with his headlamp and a flashlight and found all the like really big potholes. And the other guy drove behind me and he had just like, he had like a little, know, like a little Subaru type car. I don't remember if it was actually a Subaru or not, but something like really low to the ground. So the, when he put his brights on, they actually went like under my car. Oh my God. It was perfect, though, because so he went behind me shining his brights while the other guy, like, hopped potholes in front of me, shining, like, his light and flashlight on him. And we just slowly made our way down the road until my car was, like, in down to the safe point. And then I had to stop and cry again because two random people who aren't even from the state of Colorado just helped me down the shitty road after I had a massive panic attack at 14,000 feet. And now I'm starving because I realize I haven't eaten a single thing on this entire journey. All I want is Sonic. But at the <laughs> don't ask me why I just wanted Sonic. I think it's because I wanted breakfast. Seems reasonable. <laughs> I really wanted a Sonic breakfast sandwich. But I, which I did not get. I drove past three of them on my way home and did not stop. Because oh again, the big thought in my head, which is I have to get home to my son. And then as soon as I got home, like, I don't think I even showered. I think I just, like, curled in bed all sweaty. I was like, my baby. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's like, it took me a while to realize it's like, oh, moms can have separation anxiety, too. Yeah. And feeling that terrible up on the mountain in the place that I have for so long called my element, I didn't want to go back out. This was what made me not want to go back out. Not that shitty storm eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just that that complete, complete bodily consuming anxiety and fear that I was going to die and it was going to be a problem, even though I was perfectly safe, is what made me not want to go back out there. Well, you know, and it's just a, there's a, it, there's something totally primal about that you know it doesn't matter you yeah. can rationalize it all, all you want but like you can't there's there's no rationalizing away that little bit like in that you know lizard brain of ours when that flip gets switched like there's really there's nothing you can it, do no there's not but at the same time i also like i learned in a in a, kind of a bad way is like i make really bad decisions when I feel that way though that yeah. is when that really good decision maker switch also goes off yeah um and so then it's like I was afraid I would actually put myself in a situation where it would be a little more potentially dangerous and then that like lizard brain switch would go off and then I would do something actually dumb and actually <laughs> stupid and actually get myself killed that was my fear yeah and um, and it took me took me many many years to get to the point where I'm like okay I can go overnight now, um, but like just like the way that that made me feel that night was a what doesn't kill you makes you weaker moment for yeah. a very long time. You know I would I would argue though it's 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 kind of both and I feel like they <laughs> they always are because yeah you know like it you it, it might make you feel weak but in that moment, like you're doing whatever it is that you need to do to stay safe and then to keep, you know, your, your kids safe. And, um, I feel like there, there's a ton of strength 
in that it may be counterintuitive to like what you want to do. Um, fair, fair. But yeah, just being able to take that, take that knowledge with you and just be able to you know, hopefully make better decisions, maybe not for you, but for, for other people in the future. I think that's definitely, that's definitely a positive. I definitely wouldn't climb a 14er at sunset as your first time away from your child at night. Yeah, that sounds like that probably... not, a, not a great recipe. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. It was a, it, overall just an, an amazing experience. But then to come home and have all of that anxiety and negative kind of like hovered around, like it took me a really long time to be able to look back at that moment and be like, no, that was still a great trip. I yeah. still enjoyed that trip. Like I still felt ecstatic on top of that mountain. I still saw the most beautiful sunset and as hilarious as the moon freaking me out was like one now i have a really funny stupid story about how the moon scared me um, <laughs> and two like i actually got a really beautiful picture of the moon over the ridgeline of grays it's literally on my wall and had i not been freaked out and panicked by the moon i wouldn't have taken the picture right oh that's awesome so, so like a lot of good came out of it but it took a really, really long time to be able to sit here and go, yeah, that was a good trip versus no, never going back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, man, well, that, that's an awesome story. And I, I want to see that photo. If you could send me, <laughs> send me a picture of that, that'd be, that'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I could find it in it too. Not at all. Uh, I'll take a picture of it on my wall. Um, so yeah, let, let people know, um, just where, uh, where they can, can find you. You're also an ultra running coach. Is that right? I am a certified ultra running coach. I am not currently taking clients at this time because life, um, <laughs> but <laughs> that said, I am pretty kind of sort of pretending that I'm active on Instagram. Um, I share pictures of my mountain stuff on Instagram, um, which is mama in the mountains with two M. So M O M M A in the mountains. And then, um, I just started a podcast. I literally have one episode up right now. It is on Podbean right now, and it is a wild woman's tale. And then my website is trail and the entire word and ultra life.com. Awesome. Yeah, I will. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And so people can go and take a look. Um, yeah, it was awesome chatting with you. Thank you for, for taking the time today. And um, yeah, we'll let everyone know to go to go and check you out. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Yeah.